but we are reminded that God did something for humanity, right? That's what Easter's about. We believe that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. He uh, died for our sins. He was a sacrifice for us so that we could be partakers of the promise and salvation. And so with that mindset, uh, we're going to go into the message. And um, so I told you the, the title of this message is Entering His Rest. So we have to understand that with salvation comes a lot of promises, right? And one of those promises is the promise of rest. There is a rest that believers have access to because of Jesus. And I'm not talking about a rest where we're laying on the couch and watching our TV and vegging out. I'm not talking about this kind of rest. This kind of rest is a spiritual rest. It's a spiritual rest. So Jesus invites us into this spiritual rest. So this rest actually was promised to the Israelites, but they never received that rest. They never got it. They never entered into it. Um, and the rest that we're going to be talking about, we can't get it, we can't get there by our works. We can't get there by our flesh. We didn't do anything to receive spiritual blessings. We didn't do anything by works to receive salvation, did we? We didn't do anything. We just received it by faith. Um, so our relationship with God is not by works. It's by faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. All things are done because of the sacrifice of Jesus. In the Gospels, Jesus healed a lot of different people. And when a father came with his mute son, with a mute, a mute spirit on his son, he asked Jesus to heal him. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, then all things are possible. All things are possible to him who believes. The problem that we face that keeps us from entering into our spiritual rest is our flesh. It's our unbelief. We're so used to doing to receive at school. We like the little gold stars. We do to receive at work. The recognition, the money we get from the hard work that we do. This is humanity, this is world, this is the flesh. This is what we like. But when it comes to spiritual things, we receive it by faith. So let's go to our scripture. Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four, verses one through four. That's where we're gonna start. Hebrews four, verses one through four. Then we're gonna jump to verses 11 and 12, and then jump down to verse 16. And it reads, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you come, seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we have believed, for we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. 
and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Verse 11 and 12, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example. Let's do this without the microphone. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let us jump to verse 16. Then it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So I want to rest, amen, I want to just lay down some foundation before we actually get into how we're entering our rest by using this scripture here. So the first thing for our foundation, right, first thing, there remains a rest for us to enter. There remains a rest. I want to have us understand that. The word rest is actually being the same word that we, they use for the word Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath day is the same rest. And the Sabbath day, its intent was that we rest in the Lord. We're resting in God. God instituted that. God took that rest on the seventh day, and he's inviting us into that same rest. Are we following? The seventh day of the creation, God rested, and he's inviting us into that same rest that he took. That's rest. That's the rest that's being used in Hebrews. It says, enter into his rest, God's rest. Number two, the word that we hear is the same word that was preached to the Israelites. It says it in Hebrews. The gospel that we have heard, they also heard it. The difference is that they never entered their rest. They never received it. What was the problem? That's the third thing, a third foundation. Their third thing is mix it with faith. They didn't mix it with faith. The word that they heard wasn't mixed with faith. We have to, when we hear God's word, we have to mix it with faith. The word mixing here that the scripture uses is um, that of like mixing medicine, you know? Anybody, toxicologists, chemists, when you mix it. The purpose of the mixing is that it brings healing to the body. It's supposed to bring wholeness. So when we mix faith with God's word, we're bringing wholeness. This is the picture here in Hebrews. The next thing uh, that's important, that's why I had us jump down to verse 11. It says, be diligent. Being diligent means that there's an action on our part, right? That's why I said this kind of rest isn't the rest where you're laying on your couches, vegging out on the TV. It takes an action, and that action is that we're trusting 
relying and clinging on to Jesus. This is our action part. The studying, the praying, the meditating, the worshiping, you know, worshiping with other believers. This is the work that we do. That's the diligence part. It is not by works only, but it is by faith. And we apply this to every single aspect of our lives. Let's enter into our rest this morning. Let's enter into our rest. Okay, that's my foundation. Three things. We're going to enter into our rest. The Israelites didn't get there, but we are going to get there. We're going to enter into our rest. The scripture says, lest we fear that we don't enter into it. There's, there's a problem. The Israelites didn't enter their rest, and they died in the wilderness. The generation that went with Joshua was not the same generation that went in, and they didn't receive their rest. But the promise is still ours. The promise is still ours because we are adopted sons and daughters. Amen? So the first thing, how do we enter our rest? We are justified by the sacrifice of Jesus the Christ. We are justified. Now that seems like a very simple thing, right? What is justification? Justification is the freedom from guilt, shame, and condemnation. When we mess up, when we make a mistake, we know our weaknesses, we're not perfect, but yet still, we still have this Guilt, like, oh, I, 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 I need to, we, we, we want to do better, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But the guilt that we hang over our heads, the condemnation that's afterward is not from God. The accuser of the brethren is the devil. He aims to accuse us. He aims to put us down. He aims to keep us from our rest. The Apostle Paul used the word justification as in a courtroom. That was the legal term actually used in scriptures, a legal term, and it means to acquit of guilt. In our courtrooms today, when somebody comes, murder, theft, whatever it is, they come and they're heard by the courtroom. When that person is considered innocent, they are justified. That is what Christ has done for us. Doesn't matter how you have come, you have murdered, you have lied, you have cheated, you have whatever it is, God says, you are my daughter, you are my son, and I justify you. We are justified in him. We are found in him because Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. And so because we are in him, we have rest in our inner being because he has justified us. Guilt no longer has a hold over us. Anytime guilt comes, say, I am justified. Anytime condemnation comes, say, I am justified. And work to enter your rest. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is a great example. I, when I read this scripture and I study the Apostle Paul, from Saul to Paul, I said, that's a work right there. 
That's a mighty work. Why? Because the Apostle Paul, in his zeal to serve what he thought was serving God, killed Christians and persecuted the church. And he, when God saved him, was able to say, I have wronged no man. I have wronged no man. I have defrauded no one. Because he knew that he was justified. Enter our rest. Paul entered into his rest. He was able to fulfill what God has called him to because he entered his rest. Let's enter our rest. We are justified. Romans 3.24. I don't know. I don't think the verses are going up this way. It's okay. Romans 3.24 and are being justified. And I, I read the Amplified Version for a reason. And are being justified, it means declared free of the guilt of sin, made acceptable to God, and granted eternal life. I want to stop right there. Acceptable to God. We are acceptable to Him. God is not angry. We're so used to like this thing of I mess up, I'm weak, I have problems, I'm not perfect, and maybe God is upset with me. God doesn't accept me. God accepts us, hallelujah. God accepts us just the way we are. We are not a surprise to him. We are just not. God is a God of love, God is a father. God knows who you are when you are in your mother's womb. He knew you, we, he knew us, we're not a surprise. And yet still he accepts us how we are. Amen? Amen. Anyone that attempts to bring you, bring up your shortcomings, your sins, to make you feel guilty is not from God. It's just not from God. You mess up at work, you make a mistake, whatever it is, just say, I am justified. And ask God to help you to overcome and to do better. We're going to get to how we're going to do that as we go on. Uh, Romans 4, verses 1 through 5. Our father Abraham. Our father Abraham is considered the father of faith. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? That's the question. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who, what? Justifies the ungodly. His faith is what? Accounted to him as righteousness. Father Abraham did not know who God was. When God made a covenant with the father of faith, that man didn't know who he was. The reason that it's accounted to because he believed that that was God. That's all he did. He, didn't, he wasn't working for it. He just said, I believe that this is you, 
And so I'm going to follow you. I'm worshiping you. And you are now my God. That is how he was accounted to righteousness. This is because he worked to receive it. That's what the scripture is trying to tell us. You know, I'm just going to give you a small example myself. I find this kind of funny. I tend to put my foot in my mouth all the time. I say things and I'm just like, oop, it, didn't it doesn't land well. Okay? It doesn't land well. No, I didn't mean to say, I mean, I like your hat. Your hat is nice. I didn't mean to, you know, like, and then what happens when you try to cover up yourself? You make it worse. This is what happens when we try to justify ourselves. We make it worse. If we lean on God and believe and have faith and just receive it and not go into our works to try to cover up ourselves or to try to justify ourselves, God does it for us because he's justified us. Amen? Amen. I hope we're getting it this morning. Okay. Let's go to, let's go to number two, entering his rest. By the righteousness of God. We enter his rest by the righteousness of God. Romans 4, 3. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. As believers, we have the added blessing that our faith, our belief in the work of the blood, makes us righteous. What is righteousness? What's the difference between righteousness and justification? Righteousness is actually making... Okay, so let's take the worldly point of view, right, of righteousness. The worldly point of view is that you're morally right and able to be justified. Right? That's what righteousness is. It means that you are justifiable. Can we do that on our own? Can we, if people come through the door who don't know the Lord, even ourselves who are already in Christ, how do we say that I'm constantly, always, morally right? Or that I am justifiable? on my own. Am I enough to do that? The truth is that we are not enough on our own to justify ourselves because we can see that we make a mess every time we try to do that. But what God does is says, take my righteousness and make it your own. Take my righteousness. If you believe in me, I make you righteous on the inside. I make you morally right. I make you able to be justified. Not because of what you did, but because of what I did. In him we live, we breathe, and we have our being. We are made justified because of Jesus Christ. If we're going to be justified by Jesus, Jesus is not going to stop there. He has to do a complete work. So he's going to make us righteous. This means that as believers, we are made right by the sacrifice of 
Jesus. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes as believers, we go by the law. We love the law. We do so because we feel, that way we can feel like we're doing something that makes us right. Right? I did good. I'm righteous. This is actually called self-righteousness. You're not accepting the righteousness of Christ because you're constantly thinking that because you do right and you're right. This is that mindset. And then if we use this mindset constantly, that means that we always have to do right and we can't always do right and it becomes exhausting. We actually end up exhausted because we're constantly trying and hoping that we're doing the right thing all the time. And life has a lot of problems that we don't always know when we are doing right. And we have our own weaknesses when we add that to it. But God says that we are righteous. And if we believe that we are righteous in our mind and here, then we do right. Does that make sense? But you're probably thinking, okay, well, if that's true, then that means I don't have to do anything right. No, doesn't mean that. Righteousness empowers us to do what is right. It empowers us to do what is right. Because we're receiving the righteousness that is from Christ, even though we know that on our own we are not. But if we receive the righteousness of God and say that I am righteous because you make me righteous, then I am free to do what God wants me to do. We become free to do what God has called us to do. We're not trying to work it out on our own anymore. Romans 10. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if we confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. 
If we follow the law, then we have to do the law in its completeness. And the thing is that we can't follow the law in its wholeness. That's a problem the Israelites had. The Pharisees had the same problem. The Sadducees had the same problem. They thought that because they followed the law that they were righteous and they still missed God. They still didn't see the Messiah when he came because they were so involved in themselves and making their own righteousness because they thought that they knew the law so well they knew point one, two, three, and they fulfilled each, to what they thought, they fulfilled each part. And to them, God says, you don't know me. Does that make sense? They didn't know him because they were too busy trying to make their own righteousness. And we can't do that. We could try to do that. But you will be so exhausted. And God doesn't want that. God wants us to rest with him. Let's receive God's righteousness for ourselves. So through our belief in our heart, we are made righteous. With our mouth, we confess that we believe Jesus was raised from the dead. So there's a connection between what we say and what our heart believes. Our work is not to become righteous, is to receive righteousness. Our work is to change our thinking because we now believe in Jesus Christ. And we talked about that last week. That, that's going to be a big work because we're so, we're so attuned to, I, I act right. You know, this is why sometimes we can have Christians in the body who know how to talk Christianese. They know the terminology, but the work isn't happening on the inside because they're following law. But when we believe in the righteousness of Jesus and that we have his righteousness in us, then we want to do right because he is in us. It becomes different. We do right because we believe that we are righteous on the inside and we want to do right by God. It becomes a want, not a have to anymore. You know, have you ever realized when you feel like you have to do something, anxiety sets in? Oh, I have to act a certain way. I have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to pray. I have to, I have to. And then this whole thing of, Lord, why is being a Christian so exhausting? No, because you're, you're not believing that you are righteous. Right? We get so much involved in our works. You know, we can do church, but are we experiencing God? That's different. And how do we do that? Believe in his righteousness. Believe we are justified and entering his rest for us. Entering that Sabbath rest for our souls. Amen? Number three. 
Grace works for us. You say, Pastor Jessica, what does that mean? Grace works for us. So what is grace? Right? We've heard it a lot. We've been in church. Grace is the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. It is the undeserved favor upon the unworthy. The undeserved favor upon the unworthy. The Apostle Paul said this about the grace of God, Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel that we preach is the gospel of grace. So what does grace do for us? When Paul was greatly afflicted, we've read this before, when he was greatly afflicted, he was praying to God to remove the affliction and God wouldn't remove it. But God said this to Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. That to me, when I first read that, seemed like a really hard thing to say to someone. You're going through affliction, you're troubled, you're in tribulation, there's a storm that you're, you're perplexed about it, and Jesus says to you, my grace is sufficient for you. You will want to say to yourself, what are you telling me? Are you not going to help me? All these questions, I think, will come to your mind. But actually, what God was saying was that I have done everything for you already. What I have done is enough. It should be enough, right? If God has given us all these things, then His grace is sufficient for us. Romans 4.4, 4. how does grace work on our behalf? Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. If we think that we have to work in order for God's grace to work, then it becomes a debt. Does that make sense? If we think that we have to work for God's grace to work for us, then that work becomes a debt. It becomes a minus. It becomes a minus to us. It becomes debt because it leaves us drained and empty. Because what do you get? What do you get for doing your work? A pat on the back? Great job. That's all you're going to get. And that's going to be your reward. That's it. If that's what you were looking for, that's, that was what the Pharisees got. Pat on the back. All right. But that's it. They missed Christ. They missed the Messiah. Israelites did it into their rest because of the same problem, because they were looking to do it on their own, 
do their own work, complain, bitterness, unforgiveness settled in, all those things settled in because they were trying to do it on their own. And all they got was nothing. They actually ended up dying. Amen? Second Timothy 1 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. We didn't call ourselves, we didn't save ourselves, we didn't make ourselves holy. God makes us holy. When we got saved, he continues the work because his word washes us and makes us holy. It's not what we do. It's not how we say. It's not how we speak. It's not how we dress. It's because of him. Because he makes us who we are. So what's our job? What's our part to play? Because God, Christ has did everything, right? But there's a part that we play. We receive the grace. That's our part. We believe that we are holy. We believe that we are righteous. We believe that we are justified. We believe that we live in Him. 2 Corinthians 9 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. It's all, everything, sufficient, everything. It doesn't leave anything out. Grace empowers us to do what God calls us to do every single day. This church will grow, it will multiply because of God. Because all we do is do what he tells us to, and we leave the rest to him. So grace abounds, and then grace continues to abound, and we move from glory to glory, from victory to victory, and we enter into our rest. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's enter into our rest. Let's work to enter the rest that God has for us. It doesn't mean that all of life's problems go away. It doesn't mean that we won't have persecution, we won't have trial, we won't have tribulation. But the surety that we are victors and we can rest in him and receive from him and rest in our spiritual rest that we have won already. Amen? Amen. This is where I'm going to close. In conclusion, we can overcome any obstacle, any situation, anything that troubles us, troubles our spirit, keeps us up at night, troubles our mind, where the enemy tries to just trouble our mind, you know, addictions, weaknesses that we may have, we believe that we are righteous because God's grace is working in us to empower us. That's it. 
work is done. Let God do the work. Let God move on your behalf. Receive God's empowerment. For the soul that is weary, receive God's rest. The Bible says that my yoke is light. His yoke is light because he does the work for us. Let's receive it for ourselves this morning. Let's be free from guilt, shame, condemnation, and let God's grace abound. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Let's pray this morning. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we just thank you and we give you praise, Lord God, for your word. May we enter into your rest this morning, Lord God. May we just be free, Lord God, of condemnation, of guilt, O Lord. May we be free, O Lord God, from where the devil tries to worry us and weary, weary our souls, O Lord God. Any heavy soul, O Lord, this morning, may they be able to enter the rest, Lord God, this morning in the name of Jesus. May your word, O Lord God, carry away, Lord God, each and every single heavy burden where we don't know, Lord God, things that seem unclear to us, O Lord, perhaps our future, perhaps what will happen later. Let us enter into our rest this morning, O Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we receive this morning righteousness. We receive this morning, Lord God, your justification. We receive your grace, O oh Lord. I pray for grace to abound upon our heads, Lord God, this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray for great grace, O oh Lord. May we continue, Lord God, in your work, Lord, of just holding on to you and never letting go of your hand, Lord God, in Jesus' name. May you bless your people, O Lord God. As they leave this place, Lord God, they won't be the same, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. May you bless them from the crown of their head down to their soles of their feet, Lord God. May you give them joy and peace in their soul, O Lord. And may they find rest, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. God be with you.